0: This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
1: The next offer on the way, swinging a fly ball deep to left field. Keldick going back, looking up, and goodbye baseball. Teoscar Hernandez with a two-run home run here in the bottom half of the second. And the Blue Jays have taken an early 2-0 lead.
0: Well, that homer was obviously when Teoscar was on the other side, now a Seattle Mariner. Hot Stove continues. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreyer, Aaron Goldsmith here as we sit down with one of the newest Mariners, Teoscar Hernandez, and the obvious starting point. How does it feel to be a Seattle Mariner?
2: Oh, man, it feels great. Uh, as soon as uh, got, I got traded, I was so, so excited. Uh, to join uh, the club and, and the people, the, the players, the fans, and and all the things that that I watch from from the other side, uh, the excitement that this organization have and, and, and the people around it, and for me, it's it's, it's a pleasure to to be part of it. So. I know when players switch <clears throat> teams. There's a lot of text messages that get exchanged,
1: a lot of phone calls. Has Robbie Ray reached out to you? Because he's probably happy
2: that you're now uh, no longer facing him. He actually was the first one.
3: Oh wow! Yeah,
2: yeah. Robbie was was my guy. We were we became a really close friends in in, in Toronto in the time that the, that he's been over there a couple of years ago. He's an excellent person. He's always there trying to help him everybody. And try to do things to make everybody feels good, and uh, he's, he's unbelievable. And now I had the chance to play with him again, as in the same team.
3: So what was that like? <laughs> we all kind of went through it together at the end of in October in Toronto. What did you see? From the Mariners when they were on the other side in that series.
2: Oh, I think. Uh, I mean, I think we had them in, in that game. We, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I think we, we, we're gonna win that game easily, and, and then we're gonna fight and next day uh, to go through through the through the next step. Uh, but uh, they see a chance, and they take They take care of and. and they come back and win the ballgame I mean it was it was like a shock for us because we never thought we were gonna lose that game. But uh that shows a lot uh the things that the, the, this organization, that this team can do. And it doesn't matter if they're losing, uh they're gonna they're gonna still end the game and then they're gonna try everything in their power to try to come back and win it.
0: We've seen the, the workout pictures, the videos with you and Julio. What's your relationship like with Julio?
2: I mean, right now, uh, we, we, we're just trying to get it a, a, together 100%, try to be on the same page uh, and try to learn from each other. Uh, I'm trying to know him and really well so, so we can be really close in the, during the season and, and spin training. Uh, but he, it, it, like, you can see that from the other side. You don't have to meet Julio to know that he's an excellent person, that he's an excellent uh, kid and an uh, awesome player, uh, that he's enjoy everything that he do in, in, in a baseball field and even out of the baseball field. He's always uh, happy. He's always trying to have fun, making jokes with, with the people around him and and that tells a lot about a people, about person and he's been excellent. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun and in Tampa, training. Mariners outfielder Tasca Hernandez is our guest.
1: You and Julio seem really similar right? in a lot of ways. Big smile, big personality. You look like you both, well, we know Julio, and we've seen you from afar, just love playing baseball. That seems to be a real theme up and down the roster for the Mariners. When you found out of the trade, I know you spoke to a little bit about your excitement, but from a culture standpoint, this seems like the perfect fit for you in terms of the the environment that Scott and his coaching staff have created for the players.
2: That that's why that was one of the reasons I was so happy because I, I was going uh from a team that is almost doing the same thing that the Mariners were doing last year. And and you can see that. Like the Blue Jays were a team that the we're together when I was there, uh that we trying every little moment we are trying to make it the best that we can and enjoy the best that we can, and going to an organization that you can see it from the other side, the same thing that you were doing in Toronto, it's 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 a perfect fit for me. And and one of the reasons I was so excited for uh, for the trade, it was because of that. Because I was uh, going into a team that is is gonna continue doing the same thing that you were doing and and uh, when you were in the, in the old team.
3: What is it like for a player when you get on a team where everybody is invested, that they do take ownership of it, and they are going in that same direction? It sounds like you had it in Toronto. We saw that with this group last year. What does that do for you as a player?
2: It does a lot. You know, It gives you one of the biggest things uh, as a player is to be uh, your confidence. Uh, when you go out there, you know your teammates are, are going to get you back. It doesn't matter what happened in, 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 on the field they're always going to be there for you and and vice versa you always going to be there for them and and I think that's that's one of the biggest thing for a, for a baseball team you have to be there for each other you have to uh fight together if somebody make an error just don't worry you you got it the next time or or a pitcher give up a homer you just go go out there you just keep fighting keep fighting we 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 we're going to get it we're going to get back to the game, and, and we're going to win it. So that's, that, for me, that's the key, and that's uh, the biggest thing. We're
1: pleased to be joined by Teoscar Hernandez, Mariners outfielder. Teoscar, you have some really elite skills in the batter's box. I mean, you are a true middle-of-the-order bat. That's why you're here. That's why the Mariners got you. There are few players in the game right now who hit the ball consistently as hard as you do and who find the barrel as frequently as you do. What is it besides just strength, 'Cause there's a lot more than that, we know. Mm-hmm. What is it
2: besides that that enables you to do that year in and year out? I don't know. I, I think is uh, not thinking about it. Uh I'm going out there and, and, and not think about uh what I can do. Uh it just trying to get focused and, and and having a good swing, uh looking for one uh a specific pitch, uh, one spot and trying to, to make the best that I can and uh the results. I'm not worried about the results. I uh, just wanted to get a good at bat and try to do things to to help the team.
3: What about away from the field? Who is Teoscar Hernandez? What if you you know you're in the off season? You've got all of this time to yourself now. What what do you like to do when you're you can put baseball away? Uh, I
2: like I like to cook. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to spend time with my family, with my kids, uh, because during the season I see my kids maybe. When, when we wake up in the morning and then I come here and by the time I get back home, they're sleeping. So uh, I like to spend time with my, with my family, with my kids. Uh, I go back to the Dominican with, with my people that see me grow uh, as a person and as a player and just have a good time over there. As we have this conversation, we're
0: looking out at T-Mobile Park. How much do you enjoy playing here?
2: I don't know, but it's a, it's a lot. I don't know. It just it just from from the beginning of my career uh, uh, when I was in Houston, I, I came here and the first time I said, "Wow, this is this is beautiful." And since then, I love this stadium and it's one of my favorites. And now I'm gonna be here as a player playing for the home team. I I gotta know more about Chef Fernandez. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, Scott Serv. Let's say Scott Service is coming over to your place for dinner. What are we making
2: the skipper? Anything that he wants. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask him. Uh, obviously, what's his uh, favorite food, uh, and I'm gonna make it for him. Uh, I know how to how to cook uh, anything.
1: What's the, what's the meal that you make that your family enjoys the most? And I realize that there are kids involved here, so that you know, you're, it's on a curve a little bit as a result. But what's the go-to home meal?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I can say rice, beans, and chicken. Uh, I'm really good in, in in the grill too. I know how to make a lot of meat different ways, uh, different flavors too. But uh, I can make a lot of a lot of different uh, plates, and they're good too.
3: Do you follow recipes, or did you learn when you were growing up? What What are your influences when you were cooking?
2: Well, I learned when I was in rookie bowl. Uh-huh. On my own. I have to learn because uh, uh, we didn't get paid a lot in rookie ball. So I have to figure it out so I don't have to spend a lot of money buying food. I'm glad you brought that up. I was looking at your minor
1: league log. So here you are, a kid from the DR. You play your first year of professional ball there. Then you come to the States.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're 19 years old. You spent part of that season in Lexington, Kentucky. The next year, you're now 20. You spend almost the entire season in Davenport, Iowa. Iowa. What is a 19- and 20-year-old kid from the Dominican Republic, what is it like being in Kentucky and Iowa? I mean, that is that would test anybody.
2: I mean, uh, uh, when I came to, to, to the States, I had a goal, and that is to be the best player I can be. And... To move forward, the same year throughout leagues, and when I get here, I just get focused on baseball. I don't, I don't get distracted. I don't, I don't drink. I don't go out. Uh, when it's uh, season time, it's season times. So I don't, I don't do anything else beside that. But just work and get focused on the things that I have to do in the in baseball field.
1: Was the cooking when you were in the Gulf Coast League? Was that as much economical because of money savings As it was Feeling home Like feeling like there was a sense of home there
2: uh, Or was it strictly dollars and cents to ask Yeah it's, 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 uh, <laughs> You know you, you as a kid You you, you, you like to save uh, Especially me I'm not a big fan of, of Buying clothes or shoes Or shins And necklace and all that I don't I'm not a material guy. I don't follow that, but I, I like to to save and do the things that I that I love. Should we be watching you and sunflower seeds in the dugout? Should we? I mean, I have to ask the the other guys okay. see if they like it. If not, it's okay. Baseball but, uh, Baseball Reference
1: has your nickname. Yeah, Mr. Seeds. Mr. Seeds. Yeah. Is this the thing? Like, do you go by that, or is this just a Baseball Reference thing?
2: I mean, if you if you call me industry or here in the state i'm gonna if you call me like that i'm gonna'm I'm gonna listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did this start? I don't know it just uh it was uh at the beginning when I was in, in Toronto. i see celebrate uh, all the teams celebrate with different things and uh in that time we don't have anything and I said oh well I'm gonna start just dumping sits in the, in the heads when somebody hit a homer or, I don't know. It just, it just started, it started like that. And then it gets, it gets like, uh, a thing in, 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 in Toronto. So I just keep doing it. A lot of fans don't like it, but really? Yeah.
3: Well, it's probably a lot better than an ice bucket. And we'll tell yeah. you right now, when you hit those 400 foot bombs plus out there, watch out for Thai France. He's going to be the one who's coming after you with the water. Just, just giving you that one little piece of advice.
2: I mean, it's fine. I mean, anything <laughs> that, that 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 you do after you hit a homer, it's, I, I take it. <laughs>
0: you've hit a lot of home runs in your career.
2: Do you have a favorite home run that you've hit? Uh, yeah, it was the the one that I hit last year, uh, opening day. We were losing a game. Uh, it was seven to one, I think. Against Texas, and we came all the all the way back, and I hit a homer, three run homer, to tie the game. So that's that's one of the biggest one and one of my favorites. And obviously, the ones that I hit in the, in the White. <laughs> I that's thought, I thought, I thought you were going. Man. I
0: that was a gimme.
2: Yeah, yeah, but th- those are different. Those are different. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, tell you, Oscar, it's great to have you in Seattle. It's great to see you. We can't wait to see you on the field. Thanks Thank so you. much for the time. We appreciate it.
2: Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. One of the newest Mariners,
0: Teoscar Hernandez. The Mariners' promo schedule is here. It's jam-packed. Can't-miss giveaways: it's a Julio Bobble, a J.P. Funko Pop, the Clinch Cow Bobble, Mariners Crossbody Bag, Seven Fireworks Nights, so much more. Check out the full lineup and get your tickets at mariners.com slash promotions. We're going to talk to the newest member of the Mariners' coaching staff coming up next. He just walked off the field. Stephen Vote on the way right after this. Hot Stove continues. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports.
3: Presented by Hatback Barn
0: Grill.
1: The 3-1 swing and this is shot out to right field. A lot of trouble and this is gone. Stephen Vote on a 3-1 offering goes deep out to right field for the first run of this game. It's one to nothing A's on a no-doubter by Stephen
0: Vogt. Hot Stove is back. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreer. Yeah, Mariners have faced Stephen Vogt enough. And now he's on the Mariners' side as we get a chance to sit down our first conversation with the newest member of the Mariners' coaching staff, bullpen coach Stephen Vogt joins us now. And the place to start is, how excited are you to be a member of the Seattle Mariners' coaching staff? Uh, I couldn't be more excited to be joining the Seattle Mariners staff and an organization that's in the position
4: they are and um, just to, makes it for a really good transition from playing into coaching. And I couldn't be more thrilled uh, to be in Seattle.
3: Part of that transition seemed to be kind of your goodbye tour, or kind of, I use that in quotes. You seemed like you had kind of a unique kind of just way to kind of close the door that played out over a little bit of time with I, the A's.
4: I did, yeah. I was. I felt very blessed that the Oakland A's um, felt that they wanted to do that for me and I kind of knew made the decision kind of halfway through the year that it was going to be it and so I wanted to enjoy my last few months with that decision made and and then that right at the end of the season the last kind of 9 10 days the Oakland A's really honored me and thanked me just for the the 6 years that I was with them and and I couldn't I can't even put into words what that meant for my family and for me and it was a really special ending to a a, a really fun career.
0: It was fu- it was always fun from our perspective to go to Oakland and to it's not a giant fan base that we see there every night, but they're very passionate and very connected to you. How would you describe your relationship with the Oakland fan base?
4: Um, you know, I think what it was is that I was just a regular guy mm-hmm. that was out there, <laughs> and I think I, I'm someone that, that people can relate to because when you watch me play, there's not going to be this greatness, there's not going to be this flash, this flare. It's like, hey, I, you know if that guy can do it, I can do it. And I think there's an element of that with Oakland, and, and I am—I'm a regular guy. I interact with fans a lot. I let them in. I let them get to know me. I'm very real and open and candid with them. And uh, I think that's something that people gravitate towards. And especially in Oakland, in a town like that, um, where you don't get the huge crowds every night, you don't get. There's a ton of passionate fans that are at home, but they're not at the ballpark. And so, for the select group that does show up every day, we really made it a point and. Me especially, I want to thank them for being there because it really does help us play better. It really does mean a lot, and so I think just connecting with the fans in Oakland in that way, and just being who I was, I think it was a, it was a really good match.
3: What was the most unique part of being an Oakland day?
4: Oh man! Um, <laughs> besides the white cleats, besides the uh, the Coliseum, uh, I think I think it's a it's a pride that we all play with. And Bob Melvin really did a great job when I was, I was fortunate enough to play for him there and saying that this is our, this is our stadium. This is our field. Like wearing this uniform means that we show up to work every day and we give it our all for our fans. And that was, so to me it was the unique perspective of, we know we're not going to have a packed stadium. We know we have the Coliseum, which is beautiful in its own way, but it's, it's, it's the Coliseum. And, but we're going to go out there and play and we're going to make it tougher on whoever comes to town. And that's our objective. And so the, to me, it's that we had this, you know, phrase green collar, you know, instead of blue collar, but that's really what it was is we're going to go out there and we're going to make your life miserable for nine innings. We may not win, but we're going to make your life miserable for nine innings.
0: Of course, you've been on the other side against the Mariners all these years with the A's, including last year. What did you see from this Mariners team on the other side? I saw, obviously,
4: there's so much talent in that dugout and in that organization. Um, but what I saw was a group of guys who believed they could do it. You know, I think over the course of my career playing against the Mariners, played against some very good Mariner teams. But there wasn't this sense of we can do it this year. It was kind of like, oh, I hope. But I really felt like the team last year, when we, when we we every time we would play them here or in Oakland, all right, boys, we got to strap it on. This team's hungry. This team believes they can do it. And that's a whole different feeling you got when you were playing against the Mariners last year. And it was a group that came together, had the talent and the belief that they were going to get it done.
0: Have you thought about how strange it's going to be heading to spring training and... You're not you're not taking the field. You're not in the cage. It's have you thought about just how different that's going to be for you?
4: Yeah, you know, it's been on my mind, you know, kind of throughout this winter and um I haven't you know, the the good part for me is I knew my playing days were done. Mm. You know, I had I had felt okay, I probably earned a couple extra years at the back end that I maybe shouldn't have got, but um I kind of was able to turn the page during this last year. And I went through a transition kind of late in the year in September where I was watching a game and as a competitor and as a baseball player, what always drove me was, I know I'm one of the best players in the world and I'm going to prove it every night. And when I would watch guys play, I'd be like, I can do that better. I can do that better. And towards the end of last year, I started watching the game. I'm like, man, these guys are so good. (laughs) And I'm watching other people catch and I'm watching other people hit. And I'm like, it's their time. My time's done. And I, I'm so thankful that I had that. And my wife, Alyssa, is, she's always there to talk it out with me and be a big part of it. And so it helped me realize in transition that it is time to move on. And I know there's going to be moments, to get to your point about spring training, there's going to be moments where I miss it, when I hear the crackling of the cleats on the cement. It's one of my favorite sounds of spring training that never really gets talked about. We talked about the, the pounding of the glove and the crack of the bat. Those are beautiful sounds. But one of mine as a player is, When we're walking out to the field, we walk across cement, which we never do in the regular season. We only do it in spring training. And that crackling of the cleats is, all right, it's go time. And so I think when I hear that, when I hear all the sounds, when I smell the grass, uh, when I smell the new baseballs, the pine tar, of course, you're going to have feelings of missing it. But I've made that transition for me. And I'm not going to miss working out. I'm not going to miss having to face (laughs) Logan Gilbert's 100-mile-an-hour fastball. I'm not going to have to miss worrying about the game from last night personally. Uh, And I can really, really just dig in and help people learn faster than I did. And that's my goal.
3: They always say that catchers make the best managers. I don't know if that's the path that you want to be on right now or if that's the path that um, you are on. But when did it kind of come into your head that yeah, I I would like to be in a dugout or be in a bullpen. And and how did you come to become with or sign with the Mariners?
4: Yeah, I you know, I what what my future holds in baseball, I'm not 100% sure. I know this is that I I love this game and I love this industry and I love the major leagues. It's the best baseball on the planet. Mm-hmm. And um I've always known I wanted to coach and at what level, I'm not sure or in what capacity, but for me it kind of happened organically. You know, the Mariners reached out with a possible job opportunity and it kind of morphed its way into realizing I want to be on the field. I want to be in there every day because unless you've spent 162 games in a clubhouse in uniform traveling, you have no idea what these guys go through on a day in and day out basis. You just don't. And so for me coming fresh off of doing that for the last 16 years, being able to help those guys transition and, like I said, learn faster, the only way I could do that is with some baseball pants on coaching. And it just became clear, and I was so fortunate the opportunity came along with the Mariners to join a team and a franchise like this.
0: What do you feel like you bring to the role?
4: Uh, I think I bring a lot. Um, I'm very confident in that, and I think I bring a, a world of expertise from as far as calling baseball games understanding pitch sequences understanding competing um i've had to work every inch for everything i ever earned in this game and like i said i've learned a lot of lessons and i want to help people learn them faster Uh, i i had to i've sat out full years with injuries i've been sent down from the major leagues 10 times i've been dfa'd twice i've been traded i've been released i've been you name it i've been an all-star yeah I, no matter what someone is going through outside of an absolute superstar, because I have no idea what they're thinking, I, they <laughs> could never have one of their, one of their thoughts, but um, outside of that, I know what these guys are going through. So I can read the body language. I can have those conversations, have the relationship with guys to just help. That's all I want to do. Um, I want to learn as much as I can from this unbelievable coaching staff and front office, and I want to learn from the players. But I want to be there to help talk things out. I've been back behind the plate in playoff games. I've been in the box with the game on the line with two outs in the ninth, facing the the best closers, and I know what you guys are going through. And I've succeeded and failed at it multiple times. So to be able to be a sounding board for the players and for the staff, we're going to learn a lot from each other, and I know I'm going to be able to help contribute and bring a lot of that to this team.
3: Who have been some of the influences that you've had, a coach that has helped you along the line or left a big imprint?
4: Uh, I, I, we don't have enough time t- for me to, to thank all those people or give them a shout-out, but to pick a few, Bob Melvin um, was my manager for six years or five years in Oakland, and the, what I learned from him was how to, be, how to be the same person every day and how to let players just go be themselves. He never asked us to be anything he never said, do this. No, it was, go be the best version of yourself. And he'd help us along the way to discover that. But it was never telling someone what they needed to be or what the, his expectations of you was. It was, just go play. Um, he's one. And then, actually, the other one was Matt, is Matt Catraro. He just got the managing job with the Kansas City Royals. He was my first manager in pro ball, my first two years in the minor leagues. And he taught me everything I know about work and how to be a professional. And how to make sure that you are doing everything you can do to be prepared to play every single day. And the things that it takes away from the field, on the field, in your personal life, and everything. Um, I can't thank him enough for the foundation that he laid in those first two seasons of minor league baseball that allowed me to, to get have the career that I did. And so just to pick two off the top of my head, those two, um, I've, I still talk, chat with both of them pretty regularly. And they're still huge in, influences on me.
0: Are you bringing out your catcher's mitt to the bullpen with you, Oof. just in case. Just in case. Oh.
3: Sliders, lots of sliders. <laughs> only if, only if they give me a stool that I can sit on.
4: <laughs> I don't need to be squatting down anymore. The world doesn't need to see that anymore.
0: I mean, sixteen years. How are the knees? After all that, you doing okay? Yeah, knees are all right. <laughs> That's good. My hips and back are another story, but you know, it's
4: it's kind of nice, you know, not having to be working out as hard as I used to, and. Uh, not having to eat as much as I used to and all that stuff. So, um, actually I feel pretty blessed. My body feels pretty good and um just need to be able to do be able to catch my kids and be able to play catch with some of these pitchers this year and play some golf.
0: And for fans that don't know, you're a local guy. You've been, you've been around here for a while.
4: I have. Yeah, I've lived in Olympia for 13 years now. Yeah. And uh my wife Alyssa grew up in Olympia went to Capital High School and we met in college and we moved back up here in 2009, so I guess ooh, 14 years ago we've been been living up in the northwest, so I've been a northwest resident now for 14 off seasons, and we uh, feel really blessed to have an opportunity to stay home. The first time in 16 years, we don't have to move as a family, so it's uh, a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an unbelievable feeling, and it's a, it's a dream, it's a dream to be making the transition here in Seattle.
0: Well, congrats! It's great to have you. It's great to chat with you, and we'll be seeing you very soon in Arizona. Thanks for the time. We appreciate. Yeah, you it. you bet. Can't wait to get down there, Stephen. Vote. Newest member of the Mariners coaching staff. We had some A's conversation in here. We're going to have some more A's conversation coming up next. Chris Townsend, part of the A's broadcast team. Really interesting conversation coming up next. There's a lot happening with the A's, so we're going to talk about it as we continue our opposing previews in the AL West as the hot stove rolls along right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports.
3: Presented by Hatback Bar & Grill.
0: Hot Stove continues. Gary Hill and Shannon Dreyer here as we sit down with Chris Townsend, part of the Oakland A's broadcast team, part of A's cast. You can find him on Twitter at Townsend Radio. Chris, it's great to have you with us tonight. We're going to dive a lot into the A's and what the athletics are looking like coming into the season. But let's start the conversation with a guy we just talked to, Stephen Vogt, newest member of the Mariners coaching staff, of course, a beloved Oakland a how would you describe his connection to the fan base how the fans feel about Stephen vote
5: you know normally when you're a player that has as you said a great connection with a fan base you think of a player as someone who's going to get Hall of Fame votes, someone that you think about you're going to retire their number maybe potentially when we ever get a new ballpark like you guys have where Griffey has the statue out front but it, it just really shows you what a great human being Stephen Vogt is, how he has connected over time because he hasn't been with us the whole time. Right. But his time in Oakland has been so special and just a salt of the earth person. You guys are so lucky. You're going to love him on an everyday basis. What he, What he means to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are in the organization. You will have a connection with him. There will be a friendship. There will be mutual respect. And I don't say you get that from most guys, to where everybody will know him, everybody will love him, and it's why we will always celebrate him. He's truly one of the great Oakland A's, even though – He's not a Hall of Famer, and we've had our Hall of Famers, and we've had our World Series champions, and we've had you know these eras of A's baseball, 70s, 80s, even in the early 2000s, of phenomenal players. Even though he's not that guy, you're never going to look at his baseball reference page and go, wow, Stephen Vogt's one of the great A's of all time. I'm putting him with Ricky Henderson and Reggie Jackson, and catfish hunter, but he is one of the most loved A's of all time. And uh, it's, it's because he's such a special person. The way he, his family grew up with his wife, his his young kids as they got older around Oakland. It's, it really was such a special relationship, and it's sad that he's going to be with the Mariners. Great for you guys, but uh, at least he's in division. We'll still be able to talk to him all the time.
3: So where are these new Stephen Vogts and new A's, beloved A's, going to come from? You know the Mariners took the step back a few years ago, yeah. and they had a big plan. I know it's more of a rotating or revolving plan with the A's. Where are they with this right now? Well, if you really look at
5: our track record, we we don't go so much to where we're going to go through five, six years of a rebuild. That's just not what the A's do. I mean, we're we're basically what you see when it comes to what you need to do if you want to be competitive in modern baseball and be a smaller market is you're going to have your opportunity to win two, three years, maybe four at most, and then you take a step back, I mean, just you just look at it. Look where we were in twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. We're in the playoffs. Take the step back. Here we're back. 18, 19, 20, and even in, in into 21, where we won, what was it? We won 86 games. We're in that step back again. But the thing with the A's is we don't go full dumpster fire. We're not sitting here taking guys from other teams who are 18, 19, 20. A lot of the guys that we end up picking up in these trades are players that have had a little big league time or they're about ready for the big league. So our our our, our journey to the bottom, let's just say, isn't as long as most teams traditionally. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, in Billy Bean and David Forrest, we trust because they have that track record that we're never bad for that long. And then before you know it, we sneak back up on you. And there we are in the postseason. So. We're probably a year or two away, but we have a lot of these guys that are about to be ready to play big league baseball. We're not sitting here relying. We're not doing what the Astros did years ago or what the Orioles did years ago, where you're relying on a bunch of young kids and you hope we have a bunch of guys who are ready to start playing. So hopefully we will be more competitive this year, but. I would say next year and the year after that are are when you're going to look up again and go, wow, here they are again. Remember, we always surprise people, right? Every single year, no one gives us a shot. Everybody says, and then all of a sudden you're like, here the A's are again. But that won't be this year.
3: Bob Melvin was a longtime staple in that dugout there in Oakland. What were the reviews on Mark Kotze's first season?
5: He's he's very much like Bob 2.0. And obviously, you know, I, I did the Bob Melvin show and still talk with Bob Melvin a lot. And it was really hard to lose him because Bob was so special. He was a guy that understood all the hurdles. He understood the issues that you were going to have as an Oakland A's manager. He grew up here. He grew up on the peninsula. And when Bob was growing up here is when the A's were winning three straight World Series. And he wore number six to honor Sal Bando, who we just lost, our former captain. So Bob got, you talk about a manager that gets it per, and I know, you know, whatever happened up there in Seattle, but in Oakland, Bob Melvin was perfect. I mean, you think of, You got two Hall of Fame managers that were here, Dick Williams and Tony La Russa. Bob Melvin has more wins than them as as an Oakland A manager. So when we lost him, it was devastating. But Mark Kotze, being a former A, and being a guy that they've been grooming and have been on Bob Melvin's staff, losing Melvin, bringing in Kotze, Kotze obviously knew coming in what the deal was. You're going to have a lot of different players. Last year was going to kind of be, you know, we'll call it as it is, a train wreck. But we're going to get better, and we'll get better fast. And Mark Hatzey basically told everybody, "Listen, we're going to use so many different players." He had the speech at spring training that was great, you know, because he's been through everything. He's been on good teams, he's been on bad teams. When he played seventeen years in the big leagues, you, you, you and, and for a lot of different organizations, and for a lot of different managers, Mark Hatzey played for a lot of great managers. Um, you you learn a lot of things. So the way the message that he had for everybody at the big league level, all the way down was, you know, you're all going to get an opportunity. And Mark Kotze did something last year that I don't think a lot of veteran managers do. He had a lot of connection with the young players in our minor league system where he was getting on something like this, like a zoom claw with guys in a ball with guys down in Arizona, in the rookie league. So he was a manager that you were hearing his voice, You were seeing his face, which is like unheard of, right? That the big league manager is taking time. He's out on the road. He's getting on these calls with the minor league team. Just remember saying, Hey guys, this is your goal. This is where you want to be. And so I think, you know, first year, there's going to be a you know, decision-making. I, I mean, so we lose 102 games, what are we talking about with decision-making, right? You knew you're going to lose almost every single night. But I think from a messaging standpoint and a leadership standpoint, we saw a lot of great qualities in Mark Katze. And once again, if you go back and look, whether it's Bruce Bochy or Tito Francona or all the different great managers that Mark Katze played for, I think there's a little bit of all those guys in Mark Katze.
0: Chris, we continue to read about the Coliseum and rumors and everything else involving the A's in the stadium and everything. I, I think about the fans in this in this situation, too. It's such a passionate fan base and such – they love the Oakland A's. How, how difficult has this been?
5: Well, I, I'm sure longtime Seattle fans remember back – to, you know, what's going to happen with the Kingdom? Are the Mariners going to stay and what's going to happen with the Supersonics. All of a sudden the Supersonics left. I mean, you guys have been through it before. I mean, think in a very short time, Oakland has lost the NFL and the NBA in a very short amount of time. It's crazy. Not enough people talk about that. I mean, you had the Raiders go to Vegas and you had the Warriors, even though people go, well, they stayed in town. No. They went across the bay to San Francisco. They took their offices. They took their tax money. They took everything, their employment. They took everything and took it to a different city. San Francisco is not Oakland. So they left. And I find it funny that I don't know if you guys have been following the Tampa situation because it's been, do we do it in St. Petersburg or Tampa? It's been a mess. Well, now they've come out with these new renderings and they're going to build and build this little trop city right where they are. And everybody's like, oh, they're safe. They're not going to do Montreal. They're not- And I'm listening to the press conference. I'm not going, are you kidding me? They're president in this press conference and after was saying, hey, we can't wait to meet with the mayor and see what the mayor's ideas are. They have nothing. They have a press conference and renderings. They have no agreement. The city council hasn't voted on it. No one's decided how it gets paid for. And everybody looks at the A's situation and they go, oh, my God, the A's are – We Oakland has gotten over 300 million in grants. We've passed all these hurdles. Part of where our ballpark is going to be is on the port, which was going to be the big vote. Can they get the port? We won the port vote. We are so far ahead of where Tampa is, but they have a press conference and the mayor says they, they want to do it. And the national media thinks they're ahead of us. I'm like, they have no idea how far they are. We've gone so far down this road. And then you throw Vegas in there. Vegas had to be brought in because you know, Raiders moving to Vegas, that freaks everybody out. You had to bring a boogeyman in to be able to have some leverage. You gotta have leverage with politicians, bottom line. So we're down in Vegas. So it's as as our team president says Dave Cavill, it's a, you know, you know, it's two tiers, it's parallel pass. So where we are right now is trying to get that agreement final, having the city council vote on it, agree on it. We agree because you gotta have it a plan, you gotta agree on a plan before you put shovels in the ground. And hopefully that's gonna. Hopefully we're gonna find out coming up here exactly. All right, is it Oakland or is it Vegas? Right now they're down meeting in Vegas. Suppose these has been good meetings. That we've been a lot in Vegas. I don't know how much you guys know that. There's been a lot of meetings down in Vegas. So we're gonna see. But it is hard to build in California. It is hard to build on Portland. It's hard dealing with city officials when they have issues that are beyond baseball. And it's beyond building a new ballpark. This is a, for in Oakland, this is a $12 billion project. It's the most expensive project in California history. Think about that. I don't think a lot of people understand how big this project is, how expensive this project is. Um, As they like to say, it's complicated.
0: (laughs) That's a good summary. Well, Chris, we kept you for a long time. It's your own fault. You're too good. but we, I'm we, all warmed we, we, up now. This is like BP. I'm ready for my show now. It's great. <laughs> Thank you for all the time tonight. We'll talk to you soon. You guys be well. Chris Townsend, part of the A's broadcast team. We will wrap things up when we return on Hot Stove right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports.
3: Presented by Hatback Bar & Grill.
0: Oh, Welcome back one final time to Hot Stove Tonight. We have a couple more of these before we smoothly glide into the Cactus League report. When spring training opens, so a couple of more hot stoves until everyone gets down to Arizona. Pitchers and catchers reporting right around the corner as we get closer and closer to opening day. If you missed any part of this show, you can catch it all on Mariner's Pod coming up tomorrow. It was a great one. We started... Speaking with Cal Raleigh, Jerry Depoto joined us. Teoscar Hernandez, first time chatting with him. Steven Vogt as well. And Chris Townsend from the Oakland A's broadcast. This was a good one. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks a lot to Brady back in our Seattle studios. For Aaron Goldsmith and Shannon Dreher, this is Gary Hill saying so long. We'll talk to you next week on Hot Stove.